wonderful to be able to come together to sing songs of praise to our God and to know that heaven is responding to our songs, to our prayers, to the message. Heaven is responding. And so what a, what a beautiful thing. We're, we're so thankful to God to be able to assemble together uh, as God's people. We're thankful to God that he is still saving people, right? He's still saving people. Our new sister Faith was baptized into Christ on Friday. God is still saving people. Isn't that wonderful? Thank God for his patience. Let's uh, go to God in a word of prayer, please. Heavenly Father, we praise you. We love you. We thank you so very much and honor your name. We lift your name up, O God, and hallow your name. For you are amazing and wonderful and great and awesome and kind and majestic and beautiful. We give you all the praise, honor, and glory. We're so thankful, Lord God, for your plan of salvation that you brought to the world before the creation, before the world was. That knowing, Lord God, that if you made us to love us, you'd have to die for us to save us because of our sins. And we're thankful, Lord God, that you made us to love us, that we might be able to experience your, your matchless grace and your amazing love. And we look forward to the day that we're able to come home to be with you, to experience your love, to experience the, the blessings that you made for each of us. Help us to be faithful to you, O oh God. And our worship this morning, bless us that our worship will be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, that all things that we have said and done, Lord God, that they will and have been pleasing unto thee. And help us never to forget Jesus, your great Son, in whom you willingly sent to down that cruel cross of Calvary. In Jesus' holy and precious name we pray and thank thee if it be that will. Amen. It is great to see you here this morning, both members and, and visitors alike, those who are uh, here in attendance, those who are online. We praise God for being with us, you being with us. Have you ever uh, made a judgment and been wrong? Right? <laughs> yeah. So, so this, this topic, you might want to get rid of the first word, righteous. <laughs> Because righteous, we're going to get to that word righteous, and let's try to figure out what God means when he says, uh, yes, okay. So we've been looking at the idea of judgment and judging others, and now we get to, okay, do I have the right to judge, though? Well, yeah, but the word righteous has to be a part of our judgment. So I want to go to Matthew chapter 7. We're going right to our text that we started out at, and I want to kind of get the rest of the picture that is being displayed to us. So, beginning in verse 1. Do not judge lest you be judged. For in the way you judge, you will be judged. And by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. Just that verse alone ought to make us take a step back when someone asks for our opinion or our judgment on a situation or of a situation and ask, how am I going to do this? How am I going to answer this question? I want to make sure that when I answer this question or, or deal with this issue, that I find in my heart humility and a measure of, uh, of kindness uh, and grace that only God uh, can give. But here's the question. Because sometimes people have looked at this verse and said, do not judge lest you be judged. And so therefore, it's the thought that I can escape judgment. Well, that's not what the verse is saying. The verse is telling us, is indicating to us, that we are to make a type of judgment uh, in times of life 
In this context, we learn that the type of judgment that is necessary in some cases is a judgment of discernment, right? To be discerning people with regard to maybe uh, the character of others. Uh, this is a permissible type of judgment, but there are, there are two things that are important. Be sure your motives are pure, number one, right? Be sure your motives are pure. Not that you thought in your own heart and said, I'm just doing this because it's the right thing to do. Be sure your motives are pure. And secondly, never mix in your own personal values, ideologies, or thoughts when you're discerning or judging a matter. So the context talks about discernment. Listen to what it says. Look at verse 6. We grab all the way down to verse 6. Do not give what is holy to dogs, and do not throw your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. So this, this idea implies, this judgment implies, you have to have some discernment to know who are the dogs and who are the hogs and who are the swine that the text speaks of. Because if you don't have discernment, well, how will you be able to tell who are the, the holy ones or, or who are the dogs? Or how can we know about the pearl that we've, we've cast it before the swine? So there has to be some kind of discernment in life. Now look at verse 15, grabbing some more of the context. Verse 15, beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Well... There has to be some kind of discernment to know that this right here is not a man who just loves God, but rather this man is a wolf in sheep's clothing. So listen to what he says that we are inspecting. Verse 16, you will know them by their fruits. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles, are they? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So then you will know them by their fruits. Listen, watch, and then they will show you who they are. Romans chapter 16, please. So there has to be some discernment, but again, you approach this discernment with Caution, which is really important, and uh, I mean it's critical. I think of some of the young young preachers that I know that uh, that started out preaching and just learning the Bible, and um, and in their in their walk of faith, uh, they were trying to do the very best they could. And you know, some old man comes along, or old woman, or some member of the body of Christ comes along and makes them feel horrible for for the lesson they, they presented. They didn't do a very good job. They they were young and they gave up. They quit. Don't be that person, right? Don't be the complainer. Don't exercise discernment, but first look to yourself, right? Sometimes we forget what we were like when we were that age, right? Young in the faith. We forget when we're talking about young babes in Christ, how to communicate with the young babes in Christ, allowing them the opportunity to grow. There has to be patience and mercy on our part, right? Look at verse uh, 17. 
Now I urge you, brethren, keep your eye on those who cause dissensions and hindrances contrary to the teaching which you learned and turn away from them. For such men are slaves, not of our Lord Christ, but of their own appetites. And by their smooth and flattering speech, they deceive the hearts of the unsuspecting. And so listen to the fruit, right? Look at the fruit there. The fruit here is bad fruit. So we got to deal with that. We know that. But deal with it in kindness, right? Look at uh, 1 John uh, chapter 4 and verse 1. We've got to deal with it. In, in no way, shape, or form, we're saying that uh, we're going to allow false doctrine to be taught. Or, but, but we're not really, we're talking about how to handle these situations, right? Be gentle. Be kind. 1 John 4 and verse 1. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. All right. So let me show you what, what Jesus has given us an example of, of what not to do, right? Let's go back to John chapter 7. Righteous judgment is allowed, but never find yourself guilty being the one who has thrown a little mixture of their own ideas into this judgment scene, right? And then that's hard. That's hard not to do. Because we, we all have experiences. We've been through things, right? And then we, we think one way and, and this is the right way. And sometimes some people have said it's the only way. And then you mix a little bit of Bible in there and then all of a sudden you're right. Are you really right? Think about that, right? Am I really right? It's because I, I've had some experiences in life and, and so these things happen. And so now all of a sudden in every case scenario, this is the way it's going to be. Maybe it's, maybe I'm not right. Maybe that's not right. The word righteous has to come before judgment. And that means you've got to look to yourself. And that means we've got to look to the word. We'll look more at the word righteous here in, in just a moment. Never by appearance. Never by my own likes and dislikes. Right? Not my personal things I like. Some things I don't like. But I can't judge you by that standard, can I? For the standard that I set out is the same standard God's going to put on me. For the measuring rod that I use and put on you is the same measuring rod that God is going to use and put on me. So what do we have to do when we're thinking about judging a situation or matter? Let's start with verse 19 of John chapter 7. Did not Moses give you the law, and yet none of you carries out the law? Why do you seek to kill me? The multitude answered, you have a demon. Who seeks to kill you? Jesus answered and said to them, I did one deed. And you all marvel. On this account, Moses has given you circumcision, not because it is from Moses, but from the fathers. And on the Sabbath, you circumcise a man. If a man circumcises, oh, excuse me, if a man receives circumcision on the Sabbath, that the law of Moses may not be broken, are you angry with me because I made an entire man well on the Sabbath? Oh, wait, now he's... Okay, that's kind of confusing, Jesus, because, wait, I get it. So the baby's born, and the eighth day falls on a Saturday, the Sabbath. What do we do? Well, what do you, how do you find it? Some, some, well, you can't, you can't work on a Sabbath, so you can't circumcise a baby on the Sabbath, right? So how do we, how do we find the answer? You, you got to go to the book, right? 
If they had just gone back to the book and read the book and read the sundry laws, they wouldn't be talking to Jesus right now. But you see, they hadn't read the book and they weren't referring to the sundry laws. Therefore, they didn't understand what it was that Jesus was doing, that what he did was righteous. Just like when they circumcised their babies on the eighth day, even if it falls on the Sabbath, is righteous because the law says circumcise the child on the eighth day and God didn't make any any allowances in regards to not circumcising the child if it fell on the Sabbath day. In fact, the Sabbath is in Genesis chapter 2. God mentions it the very first time and it's before or predates the law of Moses. And there was a way to follow and honor that day and then there's a way to follow and honor that day under the law of Moses. And so they were uh, misunderstanding what the Bible says, thus condemning Jesus. So here's the thing. We have to make sure we look at that word righteous first. Have I looked into the Bible and gained a true and clear understanding of what the Bible says before I make my judgment call? Not my job. Not my status quo in the world. The Bible. Well, let's go back for just a moment. Genesis chapter 17. We'll look at verse, uh, beginning at verse 9. It's very critical and very important that we look to the Word of God in all matters at all times, right? Genesis 17 and verse 9. God said further to Abraham, Now as for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you throughout their generations. This is my covenant which you shall keep between me and you and your descendants after you, every male among you shall be circumcised. And you shall, excuse me, and you shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskin, and it shall be the sign of the covenant between me and you. And every male among you who is eight days old shall be circumcised throughout your generations. A servant who is born in the house or who is brought with money from a foreigner who is not of your descendants, a servant who is born in your house or who is bought with your money shall surely be circumcised. Thus shall my covenant be, your, your flesh, be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. But an uncircumcised male who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin, that person shall be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. So the covenant does not exclude Saturday, does it? Right? So Jesus says, wait a minute. Now, that's not the only law. He's taking them even deeper. Because the sundry laws allows you to do good deeds on a Sabbath day. Like, like if your oxen falls into a pit, you can get your oxen out of the pit. If you're hungry on that day and you're walking through the field, you can eat food. You can pluck food off of the but you can't use a sickle or a tool. There are so many laws like that that God requires mercy even on the Sabbath day. And they didn't understand that. So this is what Jesus says. John 7 and verse 24. And speaking to them, as they're judging Jesus, they're judging God, he gives them the example of circumcision. And then he says in verse 24, do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment okay so let's think about that for just a moment 
Righteous first, judgment. So the question is, so then what does that word righteous, what, what does it mean? What is, what is Jesus talking about when he says righteous judgment? What does God actually want us to do in judgment? Well, let's go back to Psalm 119. And, and let's look at uh, 100, verses 171. Psalm 119, verse 171. The psalmist says, Let my lips utter praise, for thou dost teach me thy statutes. Let my tongue sing of thy word, for all thy commandments are righteousness. So when we think about righteousness or righteous, well, God's commandments are righteous. God's word is always right, right? You read all through the scriptures, he's always right. Let God always be found true and every man be proved a liar. God is always right. Even when I don't like it, God is still right. So what I'm supposed to do, as Jesus is saying through the context, is take a step back from the way I feel and look at the word of God and see what God says about the subject matter. How many times, let's turn to Hebrews, please, chapter 4. How many times have you heard someone make a judgment call about a matter uh, based on their own opinion? Everyone has an opinion, right? What makes your opinion more important than mine, right? No, this is not about opinions, church. This is about righteousness. What does the Bible say on this subject matter? Righteous judgment is to be, the, to be neither hypocritical nor unrighteous, right? You, you, you got you to practice what you preach. Now, I'm not saying you can't still tell the truth in righteousness, but be sure to first practice what you preach. Right? Can I preach what you practice? Right? Can you preach what I practice? Practice what you preach, right? Or preach what you practice. Hebrews 4, here's righteous judgment right here. For the word of God is, verse 12, is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as division of soul and spirit above joints and marrow and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open and laid bare to him with whom we have to do. So God is the only one that knows exactly what's going on. We don't. It would behoove us always to say, well, what does the Bible say on this subject? And if we don't know what the Bible says on this subject, what should we do again? Zip it. (laughs) You don't know what the Bible says. That's not going to be a righteous judgment. It's going to be my own personal feelings. And that's not going to save anyone. We're talking about salvation. Turn, please, to Proverbs chapter 1. We make these judgment calls, and some of these things that we have to uh, discern in life, and some of the judgment calls that, that we are asked to make as, as God's people, they're very difficult and complex. And that's why it's so critical that we look into the Bible and say, well, here's what the Bible says. I'll give you what the Bible says. And then, and then you draw your, your own conclusion. You ever been there before? 
Have you ever had to do that before where you say, I, I don't really, honestly, I don't, I don't know what to tell. I don't know the answer. Let's just read the Bible. And then, and then you, you draw your conclusion from what the Bible says. I'm, I don't know the answer to this question you're asking me right now. How should I handle this or that or whatever the question may be? The Bible makes it clear that God will give us what we need, but we have to be willing to look at it and listen to what thus saith the Lord, which means sometimes we have to dig a little deeper and dig a little longer, right? That's all right. Isn't it okay to say, I don't know the answer? Isn't it all right to say that? I think that's gotten lost in our world today. We can't, you know, the preacher can't say, I don't know. Look, if I don't know, I'm going to tell you, I don't know, (laughs) right? I might challenge you and say, why don't you go read it with me? And then we'll come back together, we'll study it together, and let's try to find an answer. Verse 1, Proverbs chapter 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to discern the sayings of understanding, to receive instruction in wise behavior, righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the naive, to the youth, knowledge, and discretion. A wise man will hear and increase in learning. A man of understanding will inquire wise counsel to understand a proverb and a figure, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. See, this is what God wants us to understand. It's in here. You just got to dig a little bit, right? We just have to dig a little bit to find it. How should I live my life? What, what should I do? Who should I be? Turn to John, please, chapter 12. What does God expect of me? Where, where should I be? What does God say about this? And what does God say about that? Those are the most interesting questions that a man or woman could ever ask. Jesus emphasizes the word of God. In verse 46, he says, I have come as a light into the world that everyone who believes in me may not remain in darkness. And if anyone hears my sayings and does not keep them, I do not judge him, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. He who rejects me and does not receive my sayings is one who judges him. The word I spoke is what will judge him at the last day. You see, that's the emphasis, right? That's the emphasis. We're talking about salvation. And, and sometimes we say, well, that's not a salvation issue. Well, maybe it is a salvation issue, right? Let's just go to the book and let's hear what Jesus has to say, what God has to say on the subject matter, whatever it may be. Verse 49, it says, For I did not uh, speak on my own initiative, but the Father himself who sent me has given me commandment of what to say and what to speak. In other words, what Jesus is saying in this text regarding himself, that he speaks what the Father demands. So what should we speak? See that? What should we speak? No, I just want to be heard. I don't really want to hear you sometimes. And you don't want to hear me sometimes. But we should always want to hear what Jesus has to say. Verse 50 says, And I know that his commandment is eternal life, Therefore, the things I speak, I speak just as the Father has told me. And then go over to 1 Peter chapter 4. I just want you to know what God has given us. Don't you want to know that? 1 Peter 4 and verse 11. 
Whoever speaks, let them speak as it were the utterances of God. Isn't that beautiful? Let God speak through you, through the Word, right? Through the Word of God. What does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? Right? If any man speak, let him speak as it were the utterances of God, the oracles of God, some verses say. Whoever serves, let him do so as by the strength which God supplies, so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. You know how many conflicts would have been resolved years ago if we had just gone to the Bible? You know how many conflicts in a household? What if you did that at home? In your home, uh, you're trying to make a decision, or you're going through something in your life, and what should you do? You go to the Bible and say, God, what do you have to say to me? Let God tell you how to fix your marriage problems. Let God tell you how to fix your problems at the job. Let God tell you everything. Go to the book and let God speak to resolve all of our issues of life. Okay. I'm going to be really clear on this one. This is really important. Sometimes we do this. We're going to go to 1 Corinthians, please, chapter 5. Sometimes we do this. We, we, we look at the world and we say, well, um, you know, look, look at what they're doing. And, and we begin to, uh, to have conflict in our hearts with the world. Can you show me where God ever authorized Christians to judge the world? You, you, we don't have a right to judge. Why do we expect sometimes... I, I listen to Christians and go, well, I can't believe they did that. Well, why wouldn't they do that? They're in the world. They don't know any better. Or maybe they do know better, but they don't serve God. They don't know God. Sometimes we hold the world at, at the standard of, of living in life, which they don't understand, and we ourselves aren't doing it. We can't expect the pandemic. How can we expect the world to handle the pandemic in a positive, upbeat way, looking out for their, their, their neighbor, loving their neighbor, honoring God, doing the right thing, if we're not doing it? If we're rebellious, we're leading the procession, right? And we do that oftentimes also in evil. We're leading the procession in evil, they look at the church and say, I'm never going to that church. Why? Because the people in there are evil. Maybe not all the people. They just see maybe one or two people living a, an unrighteous life and they go, I can't go to that place because they're hypocrites. Because they're not living for Jesus. We are supposed to be the example for the world, not the world for us. And we don't have the right to judge the world. Even in some of the, some of the thickest and most difficult things you'll ever see. Watch this. First Corinthians chapter 5, you know this man. This man was sleeping, he's a Christian, this man was sleeping with his father's wife. And the church was boasting about it. And Paul says, what's wrong with you? you, you this, is, this is a satanic evil way to live your life. Now, we've got to solve this problem. How are you going to do that? Look at verse 9. I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with immoral people. I did not at all mean with the immoral people of this world or with the covetous or swindlers or with idolaters, for then you would have to go out of the world. So he says, wait, I'm not talking about the world. And sometimes we just get high and mighty and we go out and start judging the world. What does that do, make us feel better? They don't know you're not supposed to live together. They learned it from us before you get married. Amen, church? <laughs> right? <laughs> ah, right, you didn't think I was going to go there. What an example we've set. We condemn them. And look at us. Look at us. 
So church, what we have to do in righteousness is step back and say, what does the Lord have to say about this matter? Right? So Paul says, I'm not talking about the immoral people of the world. You leave them alone. You be an example, you be kind, you be generous, you be gentle, you love them in a way that they don't even understand why you love me like this. You be a child of God, you be like Jesus and try to win them by your example. And when the opportunity comes where you can teach Jesus, they'll listen to you. He goes on to talk about this subject. He says, but actually, verse 11, I wrote to you not to associate with any so-called brother if he should be an immoral person or covetous or an idolater or a reviler or a drunkard or a swindler, not even to eat with such a one. For what have I to do with judging outsiders? Do you not judge those who are within the church? But those who are outside, God judges. Remove the wicked man from among yourselves. And it's interesting that the verse says God judges those who are outside the church. God also judges those who are inside the church because we judge with righteous judgment we look at the bible and say what does god have to say on this subject matter not how do i feel right all right galatians chapter six please i think one of the the easier things of life is this if if every day i look into the mirror and and i work on fixing me i work on fixing me today i woke up with something that i didn't wake up with 10 years ago you know Right, your struggles in life, things that you, you work on you. You work on you. I'll work on me. I'll work on me, and you work on you. Now, if you choose not to work on you, I'm going to still work on me. Because I, and, if, and if I choose not to work on me, you, you just keep working on you because we're individually, independently accountable to God. Here's the motivation. If if your children go astray and, and you move, they may not know where to find you. But if you are constant in Christ and he's your rock, even if they stray, they'll know where to come back to find you. And where they find you, they'll find Jesus. Right? Too many parents are just wishy-washy all over the place. As a result, the children are mixed up. It all just kind of, it all trickles downhill. I just need to work on me. Right? Every day, every moment of the day, working on me so that I can be what God wants me to be. And you know when I do that, something happens. I don't have much time to work on you. <laughs> I'm out of time. The day's over. I've been working on me all day. I'm, I... All right, so. Galatians 6 says, brethren, verse 1, even if, I love even, right? Even if a man is caught in any trespass, I love how the verse reads, you see, because even, well, conditional, all right, here we go. So this situation, a brother is, he's, he's caught. In other words, he, he, he wasn't thinking about this today. He, Satan had a trap laid out there for him, and, and the brother fell into the trap. But even if he's caught in this, in this trespass, here's the scary part. Before you run over there and reprimand that brother or sister, you've got to look at yourself. Because it says, you who are spiritual, back to that righteousness, you who are spiritual, 
Restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, each one looking to everybody else. Is that what it says? No. Yourself. Each one looking to yourself, lest you too be tempted. We got to be careful. You know, Satan, he throws traps out there. And sometimes the trap isn't necessarily intended just to catch that brother or sister. Sometimes it's intended to catch them and you. You have to be careful, right? Sometimes the trap is, you know, like, well, I've been, I've been trying to get to, I've, I've been, all this time, I've been trying to get to Job, and I haven't been able to get to him. And, but I figured out something. If I go and get everything he has, I'll, I'll get him. And, and even though Satan went out and, 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 and he attacked everything he had, he wasn't after all of Job's stuff. He was only after Job. So you've got to be very careful in your spiritual walk of faith to always look to self even when you're trying to help someone else. Maybe you're not qualified. Is that okay to say that? Maybe you're not qualified to help that brother or sister in Christ. Sometimes I'm not qualified. Sometimes folks will come to me and ask me questions and I'll say, I'm not qualified to talk to you on this subject matter. But I think I know someone who might be. Always looking to yourself And then it says in verse 2, bear one another's burdens and thus fulfill the law of Christ. You still can be there to help, but make sure you're looking at the righteous side of all things. Okay, we'll begin to wrap up. Let's go to Romans chapter 14 quickly. Romans chapter 14. So God is the supreme judge of all. Look at how life, look at how easy, your marriage, look how you can fix it. Well, you know, I know you're telling me I did this, but you, but you, no, that's not what God, don't do that. Don't do that. Well, I know that I said that, but you, you've said you, don't, don't do that. Right? If it's right, it's right. If it's right, it's right. Just say, yeah, you're right. Repent, make it right. right? Romans 14 looks to God, the supreme judge. Because see, there's coming a day and, and when that day comes, a judgment is going to occur. And let's not pretend like we haven't heard the scriptures that God has given us that says, the way you judge, you will be judged. Now, how many of us want to stand before God, being judged by God, the way we've judged our fellow man? Think about that. It sounds like some changes ought to happen. Some transformations ought to occur in our lives. We've got to rethink this thing, right? It's not always about being right. It's about trying to be helpful from a spiritual perspective. In verse 4 it says, Who are you to judge the servant of another? To his own master he stands or falls, and stand he will, For the Lord is able to make him stand. This is a little issue, right? On food, sacrifice to idols. And God says, leave that alone. Mind your business. Help that brother out or that sister out. But be there for, you know, the the whole conclusion is, if, if my brother's offended about eating the meat, I'm not going to eat meat in front of my brother. I'm just not going to do it. But some of us, no, some of us like, look, you, you just need to change. You need to eat meat because I'm, that's, no, that's not how we, that's not how it's done. 
In verse 10, it goes on to say, But you, why do you judge your brother? Or you, again, why do you regard your brother with contempt? But we shall all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me. And every tongue shall give praise to God. I wonder why that verse is even thrown in there. I mean, I, I know it's all about judgment and every knee bowing. I get that. But I think what God is saying to, to remind us as well, they're not going to bow to you. They're not going to bow to me. They're going to bow to God. They're accountable to God, not to me. Right? The next verse 12 says, So then each one of us shall give an account of himself to God. Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather determine this, not to put an obstacle or a stumbling block in a brother's way. And I'm going to close in Acts 17, but before I close, let me tell you the, the preacher's knowledge from not just his own experience watching others, but from what preachers have talked about for years. Do you know how many people have stopped attending worship service because of somebody else? Do you know how many church members have injured and hurt other people? Willingly, willfully, not expecting them to never come back again, but they've hurt people, and those people no longer come to worship because of me, because of you. Have you ever, do you know of anyone like that? You know any Christians who love God, but they say, I just can't come back. You ever been in that situation? And they say, brother, I, I, don't, know, I don't know what to do. I want to come back, brother. I, I, I need to come back. You know, we want to say, well, you, you can't blame everybody else. And, you know, you got to get right with God and you need to get your life with me. You ever been in that situation before? You ever, you ever had to answer that question? You ever had to, you ever had to apologize for the church? I'm so sorry it happened. So, so, and then, and then try to find an answer. Sometimes we just, even the Bible says that we're, we're obstinate people. We, we hurt people, and we just sometimes we're just selfish and. I'm selfish. I, you know what? I am so sorry that happened to you. Look, how, how can we help? Or do we handle it like this? Well, you just get your life right. When you're ready, you come back. But, you know, how do we deal with this? is real, right? This isn't, this isn't just a topic. This is real. This is the church. A lot of folks hurting in the Lord's church today. Some of them are hurting because they've been misjudged. Well, maybe they've been judged accurately, but it was handled incorrectly. Or maybe, maybe they did something, and they were ashamed of what they've done, and they wanted to make it right, but they remember what happened to the other brother. Or maybe they felt like, well, you know, when I did the same thing, you did nothing to that brother, and then... It's like, it's like we judge all the homosexuals and lesbians, and yet we have brethren that are fornicating, and we don't say anything, 
right? We're, you see how we do that? You know, or we have, you know, I mean, come on, let's just be honest, right? We, right, church? We get on the bandwagon, what's the bandwagon? What are we going to argue about now? Let's, oh, let's argue about, let's argue about this subject, okay? Let's argue about it, but are, am I guilty of the same stuff? We have to be righteous. Be holy as your Father in heaven is holy. That means perfect. Anyone in here perfect yet? That means I still have work to do on me. And I don't have enough time to work on you. And you have the same issue in front of you. So there's going to be a judgment. Every one of us are going to be judged. The judgment begins first with the household of God. First Peter tells us that. And it talks about that judgment day. Not every member of the church of Christ is going to make it to heaven. Only the few. Which one of those are you? Which one of those are you? Acts 17. Acts 17. And, and verse 30. There is coming a day. Therefore, verse 30. Having overlooked the times of ignorance, God is now declaring to men that everywhere, that all men, everybody, that all men everywhere should repent. When's the last time you repented? Everybody. When's the last time you repented? If you truly went to God in godly sorrow and made it right with God. Made it right with your brother if you made it right with your brother. Or maybe it's something that's public and you've got to make it right with the church. When's the last time you have repented? Sometimes the preachers think that we're preaching to a perfect church. Nobody ever, no one ever repents. And we know that's not true. There's coming a day when judgment will come. It will be the judgment of God. And he has fixed a day, verse uh, 31, because he, God, has fixed a day which he will judge. He will judge the world in righteousness. It's an open book test, brethren, right here. Everything you need to know, but when you're going to stand before God, is right here. How many of you have read it all the way through from beginning to end? How many of you have not? You might not know what you're going to be asked on Judgment Day if you haven't read it through. How many of you have read it through over and over and over and over again? You've got to keep reading it through. Keep reading it through. Just keep reading it through until it saturates your mind. And you are transformed to be what God wants you to be. Because he has fixed a day when he will judge the world in righteousness through a man whom he has appointed, having furnished proof to all men 
by raising him from the dead. Okay, I'm going to close with a scary thought. What excuse can you give Jesus and him say, I don't know what you're talking about. He was tempted in all points, just like we. And yet he never sinned. What excuse do you have? What excuse do I have? He has rendered our excuses useless. So what's the answer? It's simple. It's simple. It is so simple. If you're a Christian, just repent. (laughs) Confess your sins and repent. That's how easy it is. And God is faithful. 1 John. If you're not a Christian, a child of God, you've heard his word before. You've got to decide whether you believe it or not. And if you believe it, you've got to decide what you're going to do about it. Am I going to obey it or disobey it? If you decide to obey it, then you've got to repent. If you're going to repent, you've got to confess his name. That you believe Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And if you confess his name, you need to get baptized so the old man dies and a new man's raised up. It's simple, simple, simple. And God does all the work. All you got to do is show up. And then he'll give you a gift. The gift of the Holy Spirit. This morning, if we can help in any way, please come while together we stand and sing our song of imitation. That's all.